Hey, this is Justin Jenkins, and I want to say thank you for checking out our podcast. What you are about to experience is a special message I recorded for Easter called The Post. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I also want to ask you to subscribe and share our messages and content with your friends. You never know how a message could impact somebody's life, and it really makes a difference for us as well. Thank you. In Mark chapter 16, it starts out by saying, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. You know, Mark's gospel is a simple and succinct account of Jesus' ministry, emphasizing more of what Jesus did than what he said. Mark moves quickly from one episode in Jesus' life and ministry to the next, and often the changes feel abrupt. It's believed that this was the first gospel that was written. And it was written during a time when a lot of Christians would have needed encouragement in their faith. You see, at the time that Mark was writing it, Christianity had spread throughout much of the Roman Empire. But even though it was growing, the emperor of Rome, Nero, saw Christians as a way to divert attention from his own failings, and he started to persecute them. See, they had heard the announcement of the resurrection, but these Christians hadn't seen Jesus. So much of Mark's gospel is written in a way to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah and to call them to faith. That's why I found it so interesting the way that Mark decided to end his message. 
because it ends right there. It's kind of this anticlimactic ending. Like this is the pinnacle of Christianity. It's the resurrection and it just ends with they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I mean, that's not even a good sentence. Just this cliffhanger. Like the women don't see Jesus. There's no appearance to the disciples. It's like getting to the climax of the story and it just cuts off. Have you ever been watching a movie and something happens and it just stops right in the middle of it? I know I've been in the theaters before and something happened right at the high point of the movie. And when it happens, like, I gotta know what happens next. Like, do they live happily ever after? Do they rescue the person? Does it work out in the end? Well, Mark's gospel doesn't end the way we would expect it to end, but that's how it ends, at least kinda. If you're reading in your own Bible, you might see that there's 12 more verses that come after it, but those were put in later by second century scribes. In the oldest manuscript of the Greek New Testament, those verses weren't there. Now, it's worth mentioning that the New Testament itself has been preserved in more manuscripts than any other ancient work. In fact, there's close to 6,000 complete Greek manuscripts cataloged, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and almost 10,000 other manuscripts in other ancient languages. But in the very earliest one, those last verses aren't there. Now, some say that they were there and they got lost. Others say that the manuscript had a space for it, it just got left out, like it wasn't finished yet. But most scholars suggest that the original ending was verse eight. It's almost like when you're writing a letter, you get down to the end, you sign your name, and then you think, you know what? There's some other stuff I want them to know. That's kind of what I think Mark was doing. It's like he got to his gospel, he finished it, and he's like, there's some stuff I left out. I mean, I gotta get Jesus to show up. I gotta get him to meet Mary and to show up to some other disciples. And I mean, there's the Great Commission. I can't forget that. And we gotta end this right. I mean, we gotta end it with an amen, but it doesn't end there. It ends on a note of uncertainty. It says they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, any way you look at it, that is a shocking ending. No Jesus, no disciples, just fear. Everything we normally associate with the resurrection doesn't come till after. In fact, the technical term for this is called post-scriptum. It means that which comes after. It's the exact same word that we get our postscript from, our abbreviation PS. As we look at this message today, I'm praying that God will use the power of Mark's gospel to help you understand the power that's in a post. That whatever your story looks like currently, that it's not the end. That there's more that God has for you and that there is something that comes after. I wanna to talk to you today about the post. Who are you looking for? If you've taken him, tell me where he is. Mary. Teacher? Go and tell our brothers. I am here. The way the Bible lays out the story of the resurrection 
It's almost like an Instagram feed. You've got all these guys who are following Jesus and each one is documenting the events from their perspective. Now, none of them give the whole perspective. Each one just gives a snapshot of how they see the events unfold. You see, there's actually four different gospel accounts in the New Testament. It's the same story, but it's told four different ways, from four different viewpoints, for four different audiences, with four different major themes, but one main character. Now, if everybody right now just got out their phone and started Instagramming the sermon, some people are gonna see it one way and other people are gonna see it completely different. It's the same thing with the Gospels. In fact, I'm always surprised at what people choose to capture when they Instagram. Like, sometimes people are gonna capture their food, sometimes people are gonna capture their friends, others wanna capture the atmosphere, others are taking a selfie. Sometimes I look at what people choose as the most important thing to capture, and I think, how could you forget the main thing? And when I read Mark's gospel, it's almost like Mark forgot the main thing. Because when Mark gets ready to end his gospel, there's no appearance of Jesus. There's only an announcement. In fact, the verses that come after this, it's like, P.S., later he appeared to Mary, or P.P.S., he appeared to two more, and P.P.P.S., then Jesus met up with the rest of them. I'm thinking, Mark, how can you forget the main thing? He's not the only one who forgot something, though. And maybe that's why he wrote it the way that he did. Because what he does include is this fact that you've got women going to a tomb for apparently no reason. They know that Jesus has died, that's obvious. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going to anoint his body. They wouldn't be doing that if they thought that he was going to rise again. But it appears that along the way, they forgot that they weren't gonna be able to get into the tomb. You can see it in the text because in verse three it says, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Peter, Peter, everyone, the tomb is open. He's alive. That's not possible. I saw him. Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think I'm mad? Peter. See the tomb for yourself. Jesus has been dead now for three days, according to the Jewish way of counting days. The men who should have been with them to roll the stone away are nowhere to be found. They're hiding because of disappointment. You know, lots of times, the greater the faith, the deeper the disappointment. This is why so many of us have stopped believing in things anymore. It's become our defense mechanism against disappointment. See, whenever you don't venture out, you don't have to be vulnerable. And faith is very fragile. It puts you in a place where you're expecting something. And so none of the men are with these women to help them. And on their way, they realize that they can't do what they need to do. Have you ever felt like there's something in your way? It could be depression, it could be an addiction. Maybe it's something that you were born with, it could be your past. Have you ever felt like there was something that was keeping you from your destiny? Like you've reached a dead end? I imagine that's how these women must have felt when they got to the tomb. But you gotta understand that God's not trying to keep you out because the grave became a gate to God's grace. And what we don't understand is that while we're worrying, God is working. They were wondering who was gonna roll the stone away. But I wonder if it would change your perspective to know that God has already worked out that very thing that you're worried about. 
Maybe that's why Mark wrote it the way he did, because he was trying to send a message. Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? No. He's back. Have you ever read a post and got the wrong message? I think sometimes we've sent the wrong message about faith. See, there's a tendency for us to sometimes make faith something that it's not. Like if you're not a Christian, you might think that people who have faith just have really good imaginations. But faith isn't about imagination. Faith is about interpretation. It's not a denial of reality. It's an understanding of a deeper reality that I can't see that governs the way that I live. And that's the point Mark was making in his gospel, is that the resurrection marks a perspective shift, a perspective shift, a P-S. This is the essence of faith in Mark's gospel. It's always a demonstration that what you see is not all there is. You know, there's a big difference between my perspective and your perspective. Some of you right now, your perspective, you're looking at the screen, you might be sitting there with your arms crossed, some of you are taking notes, some of you may have tears running down your face because God is already speaking to you. You see, your perspective determines your experience. I think about different perspectives in my own family. Like one of the things in my family is my kids hate taking pictures, especially recently taking Easter pictures. There is almost anything they would rather do than take Easter pictures, especially my boys. I mean, they'll try and get out of it. They'll pretend to be sick. They'll do anything they can do. My daughter though, Pippa, she's three years old. She's completely different. When it comes time to take Easter pictures, she's getting ready. She's picking out her clothes. She's posing in the mirror. She's got her makeup on. She is practicing. She is preparing for her moment. It's a different perspective. And that's what I noticed in Mark's gospel is you've got these different perspectives because while these women are on their way to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, everybody else who was close to Jesus had scattered. I mean, they were supposed to follow him to the end. But when the day came for Jesus to do what he was born to do, everyone left. They weren't at the place where they were supposed to be. You know, there's something about staying on your posts, staying in the place where you've been planted. And you can never fulfill your purpose until you commit to your post. And the reason I want to talk about the post is because I'm thinking about the places that God has posted some of you. I'm thinking about how God has posted some of you in places that seem insignificant. And I wonder if that's the message that we can take from these women because they knew that while they're on their way, their efforts are futile. But when you understand that your faith brings a perspective shift, you realize that just because something might seem insignificant, doesn't mean that it's incidental. And just because it seems like the end, doesn't mean that it's the end. That's what the resurrection tells us. Mark's gospel tells us that there's always a post.
this isn't real. Thomas, stop doubting. I'm thankful for the post where my shackles fell off and my shame was nailed. It's on the cross where my sin is. It's on the cross where my mistakes are. It's on the cross where my regrets are redeemed. It's where I hung all my fear, all my doubts, and all my failures. So you really can't understand the empty tomb without the post. And you can't really understand the resurrection without the crucifixion. They had watched him die on the cross. It looked like the end, but it was really the beginning. Beyond the crown of thorns that marked his brow, beyond the sign that Pilate hung above him in three different languages that said, King of the Jews, the title that he meant to mock him that was actually announcing him. See, to anyone watching on the outside, it might have looked like God had abandoned him. See, when I need to know that God loves me, I don't look at what's happening in my life. I don't look back to what happened recently. I look back to the cross. That's where it was settled. That's where it was nailed down forever. That's where that thing that the devil is tormenting you with needs to be hanging. It shouldn't be hanging in your heart. You don't need to post it for everybody to see. You need to put it on the post upon which Jesus died. So don't let that thing stop you that thing that seems like it's immovable, that thing that seems like it's too big for you. Because what seemed like the end, it's not really the end. See, there's a post. That's why the angel told the women to keep going. He said, there's another place you need to be. It's in verse six. He said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He said, go tell his disciples and Peter. So I thought that was interesting. It's like, P.S. tell Peter. The one who disappointed Jesus the most was the one he singled out for redemption. That gives me hope because maybe my name can be there too. Don't you see? Everything about Mark's gospel is pointing to the fact that the story is not over. And sometimes the greatest proof of that is what's missing. Think about this. They went to the tomb and he wasn't there. So for the person who feels like they're out of place 
or even the one who feels like you don't want to be here, I want to tell you your story is not over. There's a post. See, God is into post-production. He takes our mistakes. He takes our shames. He takes our past. Everything that you think couldn't be used, he takes it and he turns it in to a masterpiece. See, Jesus didn't come for the perfect people. He didn't come for those who have their story together. He came for those that religion rejected, the people who life had left on the cutting room floor. He came for people like me, and he came for people like you. That's the difference between religion and relationship. I don't want you to miss this, because Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to offer us eternal life. He didn't come to start a religion. He came to show us the love of God. Religion is all about how you perform. Relationship is about how Jesus performed. Religion says, if you work hard enough, maybe God will still love you. But relationship says, because God loves me, I want to obey him. Religion's all about what you do. Relationship tells you Jesus already did it for you. And the only thing that can stop you from experiencing it is fear. Because in the earliest manuscript, that's where Mark's gospel ends, fear. It's such a strange note to end on. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It would be a shame if your story stopped there. Maybe there's more to the manuscript and it got lost. That's one theory, I don't know. Or maybe what Mark was trying to help you see is that what happens next is up to you. Maybe fear is not meant to be the end. Maybe it's meant to be an invitation, an invitation to follow. See, that's the message of Easter. God's been going before you this whole time, but you won't see him if you stop in your fear. In so many ways, that's the starting point of faith. It's always fear because it's always scary to step out and trust God. It's always risky to make yourself vulnerable because what if I come to God? What if it doesn't work out? What if it ends in failure? What if it ends in defeat? What if it ends on a cross? Even if it ends on a cross, it doesn't end on a cross. That's the message. Because the cross isn't the end. The cross is the hinge. Because there's always a post. 